Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. I'm a professional intuitive, but I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most new age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Saturday, February 6, 2021. Let me first say that my mom is getting her COVID vaccination tomorrow morning. Um, I'm very excited and relieved about that. I feel that the crust of 2020 is starting to crumble away a little bit. New Year's energy did indeed come late this year for me. I'm overjoyed to tell you that I'm speaking to you from my new life. I have a weirdly uneffusive response to joy. Like, I express excitement externally as a kind of quiet shock with maybe a little smile on my face, and I get this from my mom. Um, Even though inside we're a gif of Phoebe and Rachel jumping up and down ecstatically, we tend to show it in a way that can be a little lackluster for observers. So if you ever tell me big major news, do not be disappointed by my lack of, I don't know, expression. If I sound fairly calm for someone with the biggest news that I could possibly share with anyone who cares about me, um, you just have to take my word for it that I am over the moon. The full moon of January 28th, 2021, specifically. Um, It changed my life forever that day. And it was also the culmination of a lifetime's work. I achieved a goal that I envisioned for myself consistently since I was about five years old. And I was making little books put together by illustrating them and writing stories and stapling the pages together. And there would be like four pages, but it would begin with once upon a time. And there would always be a big, the end at the end. And my mom has some of those in a box somewhere. Um, As I mentioned last time, the last time I spoke to you before going into all of this and not knowing what was going to happen, kind of the last leg of the race, um, last dregs of my energy. I spoke to you about the power of affirmations and how I really felt like a lot of my spiritual tools kind of fell away last year. Um, there wasn't a lot of mystical stuff going on for me. It didn't feel like that. Uh, there were a lot of synchronicities and you know great things like that. But as far as what I was actively practicing, I was mostly just working. Um, but the affirmations, after all these years, have stayed as one of the most valuable, powerful tools that I can think of uh, for us to use. So... I want to kind of claim that some of the magic that I'm experiencing is a combination of affirmations and action. Those two things together are an expression of your will manifested in your internal and external worlds. 
You can think of them as magical tools. You can think of them as spiritual tools. I also think of them as cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. Um, And it's one of those things that I could disappear into an entirely sort of agnostic, non-spiritual life and, and still preach and share and teach and, and use, um, and think of as really impactful and practical and real. So 29 years ago in January, 1992, I had just graduated from undergraduate school um, with an English degree and a concentration in creative writing. I'd spent most of my senior year in senior seminars, uh, which were essentially writing circles, uh, very small groups of about 10 or 12 people who were just working on fiction or poetry with a professor slash advisor. And really just, you know, writing and doing readings and doing all the kinds of things that you do to build a portfolio to get into a MFA program in creative writing, a master's of creative writing with a track towards sort of the whole, you know, English professor slash literary fiction writer slash New York publishing deal. Um, You know, that's what I thought the track was when I was, you know, 21 years old. Um, so the January after I had graduated from college, I graduated that previous summer in 1991. And in 1992, I had returned home with a friend of mine from college, home for the holidays, you know, Christmas and New Year's, um, with most of my academic activity at that point, um, centered around getting into graduate school. So I had always wanted to go to the Iowa Writers Conference um, as far as a master's program. It's one of the most um, famous, I guess you could say, uh, MFA writing programs in the country. Uh, It's kind of a gold standard. Uh, So I'd gotten into the school. I'd gotten into the University of Iowa English department, master's program, but I hadn't gotten into the writer's workshop. Um, And what remained to do that at that point was a portfolio submission and an interview. Um, So I came home for those holidays with a satchel with all of my writing from high school and college. Um, This was before computers, uh, so things weren't backed up on disks. Um, everything that I actually did when I was in college, I hand wrote all my papers. I very rarely typed stuff because I just didn't really have access to a typewriter. And if you had decent enough handwriting, the teachers didn't care back then. Um, some people would type, but it, it tended to be these sort of brown noser types that would type. And for those of us in these creative writing classes who would have a reading due on say a Thursday, you know, we're scribbling away Wednesday night at the crack of dawn, trying to put together our reading and Xerox it for the other people in the classroom. And then we're performing it out loud. So, um, 
yeah, we just hand wrote stuff for the most part. So here I am. I have this satchel of everything that I've written. My senior year, my project. Um, a lot of people wrote short stories. There were some poets in the program, but I was working on a novel and I had an agreement with my teacher that I could work progressively through all the classes in the quarters of that year and just keep working on different stages of that novel and use those for my assignments and just do readings whenever um, my time came up on the calendar, so to speak. So, um, my friend that I was riding home with had all these Christmas presents and stuff in the back of her car. I had some as well. Uh, we stopped at a convenience store pretty close to home. Um, and we went in to get some, you know, drinks or snacks, or I don't remember what happened, but we left the car, um, as you do at the pump, you know, to run inside, um, Somebody probably seeing all the gift bags that she had and, and wrapped presents and stuff caught their eye and they swept her whole car. They just took everything in a flash and um, everything that I had written during my time in college, maybe with a few exceptions, people who had scraps of things that were copied for classes floating around, um, Everything was gone, like in a blink of an eye. Not to mention that satchel, which was this amazing coach bag that I had for like five years and I loved it and still mourn it to this day. Um, it was probably one of the most devastating things that has ever happened to me. It has come up in therapy many times over the years. I have a lot of PTSD because of it. Um, my parents were killed. I mean, they, they could not help me. Um, I had a matter of, you know, like a couple of weeks to sort of try to throw together something as a submission that was due in January. It was, I think it was due like January 7th or something like that. And if you've ever been in a state of total duress like that, you know that you're not creating anything I mean you know it, it was just an impossible task to recreate anything or to pull anything together or to write something new I just had to let it all go and um, it diverted my path and my career track and my goals from the time I was you know actively a teenager on through what I had envisioned for myself through like age 30 or something, you know, my whole path just kind of evaporated and I didn't write fiction again for 21 years, nothing. In 2013, I, you know, I was well into, I'd been doing Shift Your Spirits and blogging and nonfiction and all that for a while at that point, like, I don't know, what is that, like seven years or something, um, so I was really comfortable with you guys and what I was putting out here, but I started to finally have a little bit of an inkling that there was enough healing that had taken place from the success that I'd had um, blogging for you, um, I thought, you know what, it's time for me to try fiction again, and I don't know really where to start, but I found this uh, 
workshop uh, in Nashville and I drove there and I thought I'm just going to go take a class and just kind of, you know, get my gears going again and, and see what comes of it. And I met this one woman there who um, was the one person I connected to and stayed in touch with and became friends with um, to this day. And she was writing in a genre that I'd never even heard of. I didn't know anything about. And um, it would still be like another seven years before I started writing in that genre. But looking back, I consider her the person who kind of introduced it to me. And you know, it's kind of like the amazing race. You you pick up these people along your path and they have these little golden envelopes with directions for you, whether you realize it or not. And she was one of those people that I needed to meet along my path. And I had gone with the intention of, I need to restart the person that I am as a fiction writer. So I want to take you back to this other thing that happened back in 2001 literally the worst day of my life, the other worst day of my life in a completely different way. Uh, it's something I can't really talk about. I, I can't really talk about it. Let's just say it was a health crisis. It was a major um, devastating diagnosis. Uh, it was very scary. And it was also a life-altering moment. And I only mention it because there's a little paranormal bit that I want to share with you about something that happened on my release day uh, last week. So anyway, by the way, I went home from that writer's conference and I thought, what am I going to, what what am I going to write? I need to write something like a short thing or something. And one of the few things that I still had was this notebook where I had a list of story ideas that I had been working through when I was in college. It was just a place I would list things that I could work on for assignments or whatever in creative writing classes. And I found this list and all these things had been crossed off. And there was this one thing that was next on the list. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to write that, you know? And um, those of you who know some of my fiction and some of my other pen names may recognize that book as cloud busting um so a few years ago the year i turned 50 um i decided to start a new business writing in a new genre that my friend had introduced me to all those years ago under a completely different identity which i've talked about a few times why it's a secret um why it's you know also the like the fun of creating a secret identity which was a lot of what i've done the last couple years um but i really i needed even before the covid thing happened this was like six nine months before we ever even knew that was on the horizon but i just reached this place in my life maybe it was 50 my approaching 50th that i just wanted to sort of take everything that I had learned over my whole life about writing and publishing and marketing and all the mistakes that I'd made and all the books that I'd put out there that had been, eh, you know, had not done so well (laughs) and all the tragedies that had happened with lost books. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever lost a file before, you know, like a major 
thing you're working on in Word. I've had some of those moments too. I've had a lot of trauma around lost writing. And, you know, it's a thing for me. It's like one of those um, things that I've had to try to go back in and reclaim and, and, and heal. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to put it all together in this big genius master plan with a calendar and I am going to stick to it. And it was an 18 month plan at that time. I technically completed it in 20 months. Uh, but as you'll recall back in the fall, I spoke with Dina DeCastro and Susan Grace about when I should launch this book. They both convinced me to delay my launch. Um, Susan helped me nail down specifically uh, January 28th. It was a lot of fun, by the way, emailing Dina and uh, Susan last week and telling them thank you. Um, And then, you know, COVID came and changed all our lives in this really unexpected way. And it financially devastated me. Um, I lost like 70% of my income last year. Uh, and you know, I struggled with stress, anxiety, insomnia, just a lot of mental health stuff creeping up. Um, and I know I'm not alone in that. Um, so I've been working in an entirely new job during all of that while clinging to the remains of my existing business that I've had here for 15 years. And um, for me, the silver lining was the world kind of exploded and all my excuses like, oh, well, I need to do this because this is the thing that makes me money and that's where my attention needed to go. A lot of that was taken away and I sort of felt like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I'm I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to reconnect to my joy. I need a project. That's how I cope with stuff. And I already had this project and I thought, okay, fine. Um, I'm just going all in on this as much as possible while still maintaining the podcast. Um, so just to put you in the right headspace for a minute, you know, imagine working your existing job at like 30% of your pay. And then working an extra job, like double shifts on top of that, uh, with no pay, not a cent, for a year and a half. And you might get paid a couple hundred bucks when it's all over, like a tip. Or you might get the entire salary that you would assign a project like that if it was a job as this big bonus sort of all at once and there's no guarantees which way it will go so that's the headspace that I was in going into January I launched two books in January the first was part of a marketing strategy to generate an audience of zero up to uh, several thousand in order to help fuel the bigger book launch and um, the reviews that I needed and, you know, like all these other things. So anyway, I had this this whole part of my master plan involved um, rapid releasing two books. The headline of my story 
today is that the second book, the big one, came out on January 28th, and it went to number three in one of its categories, number six in the most competitive category, and top ten in its third category. If you look on Amazon, you know, down beneath the product description, um, you'll see which categories the books are listed in and what their rank is. Um, so there's three main categories that you see listed there. At one point, it was three, six, and ten. Um, with the book being number 638 out of the entire Amazon Kindle bookstore. All the books on Amazon. Millions of books. Number 638. So, if we consider anything over a thousand to be really huge. Like, that is a successful book. It's a book that's generating money. And um, the book remained in the top 10 of all the categories for the first week. It is still sticking in the charts. Um, just, it is a huge success. I nailed it. I just want you to know that. Um, I feel a little obnoxious saying that, but at the same time, like I have to tell you, I fucking nailed it. And I started out on midnight of the release day at 12.01, checking to make sure that the pre-order landed in everybody's Kindle. And, you know, there was a moment of relief in just seeing it on my Kindle come through the Amazon bookstore, being able to open it up and seeing that there were no errors in the file and, you know, everything was fine. It was like um, counting a newborn baby's fingers and toes. So then I started you know, in the middle of the night looking at the charts in Australia because they're, you know, half a day ahead of us here in the U.S. Um, And then the U.K. is six hours ahead of me. And so I started to look at the U.K. charts and it was charting in Australia, especially like it was already in the top 10 there and it was like 13 or something in the U.K. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. okay, that's that looks really good. But the, the entire market, you add Canada and UK and Australia together, you get about 10% of the total, you know, like 90% of it, 80% of it is all in the US market. So, but I started to feel a little bit hopeful, like, okay, this, this is doing good. And, you know, there were a couple of reviews on it and they were really favorable and, and I was getting a little bit excited, but I was also preparing for, like, I cannot tell you what goes into the marketing of this stuff on Facebook. Like, it is exhausting. Most people I know have an assistant who manages a lot of the promotion for them and they kind of come in and, you know, just do the... Uh, Facebook lives and uh, the giveaways and announce the winners, you know, and that kind of stuff. So basically I had to just clear my entire schedule for a week to do nothing but be on Facebook, (laughs) Um, talking to fans, um, getting in in front of readers, doing events with author friends and peers and, you know, big names in in the genre getting you know them to help me promote it and put it out there so i was prepared emotionally i could have never been prepared really physically 
for what it was like to Facebook for six days for 12 hours. It was a lot. And you know that I'm not like, I'm a very Facebook averse, but I, you know, there was part of me that was dealing with all these endorphins and all this high and seeing all this love and feeling all these, you know, strangers wanting to talk to me and everything. It was really fun. You know, I felt like a I was in like an autograph mob scene in a movie where the person leaves, you know, backstage and the fans are waiting for them to get their autograph. Like I had that kind of on social media. And so that was it was worth it to do it this first time and to really feel all that. But that first day, you know, it was climbing steadily in the U.S. charts and then it just kind of got stuck and it was hovering around 51 or 52. And if you're shopping in Amazon, you want to at least be on that first page because they do like, you know, most people's laptops are going to show you 50 titles on that first page. So everybody from number one to 50 is just one scroll. And, you know, it's like, oh, come on, I just want to at least be 50 and it was a lot like waiting for the election results because you're waiting for kind of packets of updates to come through or different types of sales ranking. Some of them get updated every hour. Some of them get updated two hours. And then some don't happen until like four hours. Um, and that was some of the charting. So I could look at things like I could click and look at only things that were new releases and it would show it was really doing well and it was high. But then, you know, in the regular kind of ranking, it, it just was sitting there for the longest time. And I kind of hit a wall. It was afternoon. I needed some caffeine. And I started texting a friend of mine. And I was like, well, I'm a little disappointed. You know, I want it to at least be over 50. I mean, for God's sake, you know, I put so much into this. And if I can't get it over 50, then I don't know that I know what I'm doing. Um, marketing. And... um as I'm messaging her, she messages me back, you're in the top 20. You're in the top 20. And I started getting all these messages and screenshots from everybody. My editor started messaging me. My boyfriend was like refreshing the Amazon pages and like calling and texting me. And um, the first book, by the way, had jumped to number two in its category, which it had never even gotten that high before. And that's really cool because if you're in the top three, there's a little carousel of bestsellers that Amazon starts promoting to you. And so I wanted to get in the top 20 because if you can get in the top 20, then Amazon is essentially starting to promote you for you. They're starting to send emails and they're starting to show your book cover in thumbnails in, you know, new release pages and bestsellers and click here. And you're starting to be visible and they're realizing they are making money off of you and they start sort of pushing you forward. Um, so um, and then it broke the top 10. And at that point I had everybody, you know, was on high alert and we were all watching it and refreshing it. And, um, I just kind of lost it because to be in the top 10 with a debut book, um, in a new genre as a new author, cause people don't know, you know, that I have other like failures and have successes in my past as, as a fiction writer under all these other names. Um, so you know, top 10 was one of those things that I like secretly maybe dared to fantasize about, like in my most hopeful moments when I saw it break that 
being stuck at 50 and kind of go up into 20, then I started sort of whispering to myself, what if I get in the top 10? What if I get in the top 10 on the first day of my launch? And, um, and it happened. And I was just pacing the house like a crazy person. The cats were keeping like really like, whoa, man, what's up with you? Your energy is really crazy. Like they weren't having anything to do with me. And I had these moments of just, you know, like where I would just suddenly sit down and start ugly crying just for like 10 seconds and then it would pass. And I honestly don't know how you're supposed to act in that moment. I haven't had a lot of things like this happen to me. I really, really haven't. I've never worked so hard and tried and tried and tried and then had it work. Not like this. And I've had a lot of attempts. I've had a lot of almost. I've had a lot of college tries. um, But I've never had a breakout success. Like a top 10 debut novel. It's one of those things that like every writer wants to have happen to their book and I made more money in the last four days of January 2021 from this one novel than I made in all of 2020 for everything else that I did I stuck the landing you guys Um, I broke through the atmosphere and I'm just kind of like still feeling a little bit like a satellite of myself circling my world, you know, from a whole new perspective with this new job, my dream job. I got my job. It's a lot of work and it's scary. And you're immediately into like, oh shit, now I have to do that again, you know? Um, But the demand is there and the reviews are there and the fans are writing me, when's the next one coming? When's the next one coming? And... That's all I needed. That's what I needed. I needed to make a big splash. I needed to see reviews that said, this person can write. Wow, I really like this. I want more in this series. I needed to make the money that I lost last year just to be okay. Um, I've just been clenched, you know, and I needed this to work so bad. My boyfriend was clenched. My mom was clenched. You know, the our moms are there with us, you know, they're wanting it for us even more than we might want it for ourselves. And, um, people I work with were predicting that it would do well. They were telling me going into it, Oh, you know, you've got a lot more pre-orders than most people. Your reviews are starting to trickle in. They're, they're really positive. Other authors, um, are requesting advanced copies and they're recommending it and sharing it on Facebook and all that was happening. But I have PTSD from this lifelong of hoping and it not happening, you know? And so I was restricting my hope and my belief just a bit, just out of safety, out of fear. And the day before the launch, January 27th, 2021, my mom said to me, maybe you should just like take a moment and remember what it's like today because there was a big frenzy going up to that launch day you know this could be the last day that you feel the way that you feel and your life might change tomorrow so just in case it does just take a moment and be present with it 
And I did, you know, and I remember weirdly enough being in the bathroom and sitting there and, and my affirmations popped up and I thought, fuck yeah, it's true. Like I did it. I'm about to find out if the rest of the world knows it, but I, I did it. I did everything that I could. I did every part that I could possibly can control. So the morning of the book launch, it's been out for hours in other countries or whatever. And I get up and I'm making my bed. And you remember me telling you back on like 2001, I had this medical crisis, right? And this really, really scary day. And on that day, I was approached by like an 11-year-old boy who was selling paintings I was walking back from my lunch break at the park to a job that I had that was really shitty and I just processed this horrible news and um, there was this little 11-year-old kid who had done these paintings and he was selling them to raise money for a mountain bike that he wanted to buy. And for some reason, I I felt like at that moment in the this total pit of hopelessness that I was experiencing that... I could give another artist, another soul, a sense of hope and affirmation and potential. And so I bought this oil painting from him on canvas. It was this beautifully rendered pumpkin. It wasn't like a jack-o'-lantern or anything. It was just like this punk still life of a pumpkin. And um, I don't know why it spoke to me, but um, I just wanted it. And I think I paid him $30 for it. He asked for 25 and it gave him 30 Um, He was so excited to sell a piece of work. And like, I don't know, like in the moment that was like medicine for me. So I've had that painting now for 20 years. Um, it sits on a top of a bookshelf. I've never had it framed. It's still a raw little canvas with edges on it. And I never really hang it. I just kind of move it around. And, uh, for a long time, it's lived on a bookshelf on a top shelf and it just sits there kind of leaning against the back of the shelf. And so I'm up the morning of my book launch and I am, by the way, I've been talking to my guides a little bit. I'm like, are y'all even there? Because I've been ignoring you and just I've been in the zone. Um, and I was getting these little flashes of like, yeah, they're there. Don't worry about us right now kind of thing. Um, so I'm making my bed and across the room up on top of the bookshelf, that little pumpkin painting just slams face down. It face planted on its shelf like it it didn't even fall off of the shelf it didn't tumble it was like it had to pick itself up and be slammed it was really weird and it was like a gunshot the bang was so loud and I about jumped out of my skin and my first thought was like oh god I hope that's not a bad omen because over the years you know, the part where I just got emotional telling you about what I hoped 
buying that painting from that kid gave to him was like giving someone else the thing that I wanted. And it was the symbol of hope and abundance and creativity and like all these things. And that's what it's come to mean to me over the years, my pumpkin. And here, here my pumpkin just face planted. And I'm like, oh, no, uh-uh, no. <laughs> like, I can't handle that as a sign. It's got to mean something else. And so I went to pick it up and put it back. And it was the first time that I've really held it and looked at it in a really long time. It's been us sitting up on that shelf for a while. I might dust around it or something, but I hadn't really like held it and touched it. And when I touched it, I kind of had this weird, like out of time thing where the moment that I first touched it was the same moment as right then holding it kind of thing. Like time was compressed for me into a single moment. And I just stopped and I held it and I looked at it and I felt like those emotions that I was giving to that little boy, they came back into my chest. It was like this little magic talisman and it just like vomited, for lack of a better word. It just beamed this energy into my chest when I picked it up and held it at chest level and looked down at it. Another weird little paranormal thing. So the creative writing professor that I told you about who was my main teacher my whole final year in school, his name is Coleman Barks. And, um, he, um, was also my advisor and, uh, he was a really cool guy. He uh, was the one who allowed me to do like all this free form independent, you just work on your project kind of thing and I'll give you grades. And so I went to see him on my final advisement before I graduated from college and I go to his office and we're talking about the book I was working on or whatever. And um, it was called The Grace of Horns, by the way, just to put it out there to the universe. Um, So Coleman Barks, my professor, said to me, he was like, okay, dude, I'm going to give you an A. I've always given you an A. I'm going to give you another one. And I honestly kind of don't know what to do for you beyond just sort of weirdly telling you to just kind of grow older and keep writing. And I know that sounds lame, but I don't really know that I have anything else left to sort of give you as a tool or anything like that, except this just sort of blank check encouragement. Just go keep doing it. And, you know, that that made me really emotional. I left there, you know, feeling like just the the most affirmation from him as a teacher. It was the biggest gold star, you know, I'd ever gotten in my life. So the morning of my book launch last week, I pulled up my phone, I was drinking my coffee and I had a Rob Brezhny free will astrology horoscope newsletter, which has been in my email since the dawn of email, (laughs) like I've been getting those and I don't really read them. I very rarely read them. Um, 
I just kind of go through phases where I don't read horoscopes. And I've talked about that recently. So anyway, I don't know. Like, I felt this weird, like, you know what? I'm going to read my horoscope for this week and just see what it says. Because here it is at the top of my screen. And I'm looking for synchronicities. And so I open it up and I scroll and I scroll and I scroll as you have to in his newsletter to get past all, you know, the stuff that he includes to get to my horoscope. And the first line of the Leo horoscope is a quote from Coleman Barks. And I didn't tell you this part, but it turns out that Coleman Barks is the foremost Rumi translator in the English language. And like he never mentioned that to us in all the years that I had him as a student. I think it was like three years. Never mentioned the fact that he like spoke all these languages and translated Farsi and Persian and all this stuff. Um, he was a poet himself, um, but and, and I, I knew his books of poetry, but it wasn't until years later when I started kind of my Shift Your Spirits, you know, spiritual journey, and I started to immerse myself in mysticism that Coleman Barks and Rumi started popping up everywhere, and I started to see his face and book jackets and, um, you know... All these things would have, you know, Rumi quotes and um, Rumi volumes put out and in that new age shelf in the bookstore. And there he was suddenly all the time while I was doing Shift Your Spirits, pictures of Coleman and, you know, in an aspect that I never knew about him. So here I am last week and I open up my horoscope and it, the very first thing is a quote Coleman Barks from Rumi. Judge a moth by the beauty of its candle. And you can linger on that and take that as a a little mini message. Um, Judge a moth by the beauty of its candle. I haven't figured out yet what that means to me um, in this moment. But the fact that Coleman Barks was there on the day of my launch really meant something to me. So the full moon, January 28th, 2021, was one of the best days of my life, other than the day I met Stephen, which was also on the 28th of the month, by the way. Um, so I started to see numbers. I got in my car that day, 71717 was my mileage when I turned my car on. So I took a picture of that because I thought, ooh, I'm going to go look that up and see what the angel numbers are for that. And I Googled it. And I decided I would share that at the end of this episode after the links and credits as the oracle message for today. Um, Considering that I both met Stephen and had this new career open up within the past year and a half is just absolutely makes me breathless because, you know, I've waited a long time for some real fortune you know, not just the privilege that I have, but actual fortune. <laughs> um, I was talking with my friend Jeffrey Peck, the medium, about all of this experience, and we were talking about affirmations in particular. And he had an observation about affirmations I thought I would share with all of you. He talked about how, um, you know, the emotional body and wordless thoughts still require a a conscious replacement. So even though we may not be like muttering to ourselves, you suck, you know, um, there's a wordless emotional 
thought that's happening that we can't deny necessarily or get around. And it still needs a conscious replacement as well. You know, it still needs an affirmation to fill that hole and to negate it. You know, hustle and hard work and hope and timing and luck, um, they're, they're all part of the mix. And you just have to be ready for the parts that you can't control and then control the parts that you can and I'm not going to lie to you, you know, imagine if you made the same amount of money plus the acclaim, which is kind of hard to quantify, from one job in a week that you made from another job in a whole year. It's kind of hard not to love that one and be excited about it in a new way. And I fought for both of these jobs. I've worked for decades on both of them, meaning, you know, my fiction career and my Shift Your Spirits work, trying to find, you know, double the time and double the energy for 18 months now, 20 months. Um, And I do want to be honest with you, I have the option now to devote myself to just one. And the irony is that this success in this new platform kind of gives me more to say on my existing platform, this one. And it may take me some time to pull back. I am not ready to let Shifter Spirits go or to end it or anything like that. Um, I'm not done talking to you. Uh, but I do want to let you know a couple things. I am going to close my readings calendar. I'm not going to take readings anymore. Uh, You can get readings with featured practitioners. I'm happy to refer everyone to some really wonderful people who would love to do readings for you. I will close my automatic intuition mentoring. Um, I'll still probably continue to receive some applications and inquiries. And if so, I will also refer... Um, some good candidates to other professionals in our network that that I know. Um, so I'm going to keep it all there and keep it all running, but I'm going to deflect um, some stuff just outright and, and give some other things to others um, and still honor the fact that I'm kind of a node in this network. Um, I want to respect that and, and, and use it you know, as power for good for as many people as I possibly can. I will continue to do a little bit of consulting around content marketing, online business, writing, indie publishing. Um, I have even more experience with that. And to be honest, you know, this credibility that I have in those areas has, has jumped. And some of those people, some of you are my friends and, um, I, I do want to make, you know, what I've learned and what's working available. It's not a secret. I'd love to share it. Um, I will no longer enroll new mastery level supporters on Patreon. Uh, I'm going to continue to rotate the free downloads each month until the last person who signed up has had access to all the ones that I offer on there. So if you ever wanted to do the mastery level of support and get all the downloads for free, some of them will not be offered on my website at all. Uh, You can only get them as a mastery supporter. Go and do that now if you want that. If you get in in the next week, 
you're in for several months. Um, if you no longer see the option, then I've already closed it. I will continue to publish some new episodes of this show as long as there's still a substantial number of listeners and Patreon supporters. And um, I'm thinking rather than do a full hiatus um, that I can manage a monthly episode. So I'm once a month now, guys. Um, I'm on a deadline. I officially have a new job and it's a taskmaster. And... um, I need to get back some of my quality of life that I've lost trying to do all the things. Um, if at any point I decide to have a major gap or to sort of take a sabbatical or to step back further, um, I will pause the support for the show. I'm not going to charge anybody pledges following a month that didn't have any new contacts. So if that happens, it'll, it'll be paused. But I just... I want to say that I still have some episodes that I haven't gotten to that I always intended to share. There is my Virgin Mary sighting, which is the thing, the event that began Shift Your Spirits. And it's the most important story that I've never gotten around to telling. I have to tell that one. Um, I want to send a special shout out to those who sent me love mail in the last couple weeks. And most specifically to Regina, who on top of her love mail sent an Alexis Rose card, which is amazing, and a really awesome personal message, and a care package of gourmet popcorn, which I ate through that entire marathon of Facebooking. I feel loved right now and re energized. I hope you can hear it in my voice. I hope you can feel it, and I hope some of it is radiating out to you and reaching you. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shiftyourspirits.com. You can also download a free ebook and a meditation to help you connect with your guides. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or with one of our featured practitioners, please go to sladeroberson.com slash readings. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or a concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. Number 717 is a message from the angels that the new beginnings and opportunities occurring in your life will bring you into full alignment with your divine life purpose and soul mission. You are encouraged to follow your intuition and the guidance from the angels regarding your next steps. And I'll talk to you later.